My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer, hasn't been around for a while, is Ryan Buds. Hello. How's it going, Pilar? Thanks for having me in. Thank you for being here, Ryan Buds. I got here just barely. There was a car at the Ralphs down the street that had gone off the uh, over a railing and was completely vertical. And there was a guy standing outside of it with a cell phone, like, well, I guess that happened to me. You know? Wow. And uh, it was one of those things where uh, I was like, what is all this traffic? And then once I saw it, I'm like, that's a good cause of traffic. You know, you know not what? a good cause, but it's like, uh, it made it uh, satisfying to see that it was something insane causing the traffic and not just like some. You know, dumb. you know why that's a good segue? Yeah. It's a great segue to our guests. Oh, is it because this is like a scene they would write. Yes. Only, only, you know, it would then accelerate from mm-hmm. there because we have Creighton Rothenberger and Katrin Benedict here. Hello. Welcome. Thank you, Pilar. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Great. How are you? Good. Creighton Rothenberger and Katrin Benedict. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Um, They wrote little tiny movies like Olympus Has Fallen, uh, which grossed over $160 million worldwide. Um, They also wrote The Expendables 3. And in theaters now, London Has Fallen, which is the sequel to Olympus Has Fallen. And I just saw that two nights ago with my husband. That's a good date night we, movie. We might have made out a little. I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank you very much, Creighton and Katrin. Um, also, um, they've also written um, The Drowning for Radar Pictures, Twice and The Sentence for Europa Corp, and the English language remake of Takashi Miike's. Miike? Am I saying that right? Miike, I think. Miike? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew I'd screw that up. Shield of Straw for Depth of Field, anew. And they're also repped by UTA and Kaplan Perone. Is that that's so, correct. Yeah. That's yep. all correct. Awesome. I'm stealing this whole bio from uh, Dundeal, uh, letting everybody at Dundeal know that they did a kick-ass interview in December 1st, 2015 uh, by Will Plyler, and uh, I just stole the bio off of that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but I want to thank you that so works. much for being here, you guys. Congratulations on what's going on right now with London Has Fallen. Yes? Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You were number two last week in, in the box office. Yeah, yeah. Not too shabby. Great. Do you ever yeah. do you guys go out and see your own movie in the movie theater or do you just see it in the screening? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? We live down in Newport Beach and we have some wonderful friends down there and they love to put screenings together when, when our movies come out. So and it's on opening night. On opening oh, cool. night. So it's amazing. They get a whole group of people together and we all go out together and it's really a fun time. So we have some yeah, we have some awesome that, friends. They've yeah. done that for our first three movies. So And we keep saying, nice. Oh no, maybe we'll just kinda just go and see this one, you know, maybe by ourselves or something or just go somewhere and just kind of sit in the, in the audience and we just have so many wonderful friends down there they're like no 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 we're getting everyone together we have to go to get everyone together so it's it's always really fun so, and we're lucky built-in fan club that's yeah. always oh nice. it's so nice <laughs> yeah you have to see a big movie with a big movie experience with a big crowd absolutely right? absolutely helps. yeah do you got okay do you eat popcorn at your own movies 
She does. I do. <laughs> I love. It's like my one time to eat popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. This guy goes to father's office in Santa Monica and eats Brussels sprouts. So he's oh, he's man. incredibly healthy. Yeah. Ridiculously These healthy. Brussels, wow. uh, Brussels sprouts at father's office are, are incredible. Yeah, they are. They're really good. They're, very good. They're almost yeah. as good as popcorn. So. But it's like kind of weird if you eat them at the movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're great with liquid butter. You just got to have that machine. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Just put it on the Brussels Toss sprouts. Toss them M's yeah. on top and you're, you're fine. Um, so so one thing. I want to get you to start talking about right off the bat is big movies. Okay. Big. First of all, let's talk about the concept um, in terms of this, this, you know, quote high concept, which people hear about a lot. You are very good at nailing that at figuring out, you know, high, what is the high concept and how do you express it? And so that I'm, I'm very interested in sort of that, that idea of like, it's a, it's a big movie because it starts with a big idea. Mm-hmm. Well, unless you're doing a micro-budget independent film, you kind of need the to give the audience a reason to pay money and show up at the theater. Television is so good these days. Um, you have to compete against all the superhero movies, Marvel and everything. So if you are trying to get a, a, a bigger movie out there, there has to be something about the concept that gets people to go, wow, that sounds kind of cool. I want to go see that. And I think it's really important to have that global uh, audience as well. I mean, that's huge. That's absolutely yeah. huge today. So I, I think everybody basically knows that, but you need to have something that everyone in the world is going to want to go see. And so it has to be big stakes, you know, big spectacle. Uh, when you're writing a big action movie, you're always thinking about trailer moments. You're thinking about how it's going to be marketed. You're thinking about uh, getting a big name actor to want to play your lead role. Um, so there's all those components that you're thinking about when you're writing the mm-hmm. script. Now, did you think about that way back when Olympus has fallen? was first written. You guys wrote this right after, Creighton, you won the Nickel Fellowship in 2002, right? Yeah, Katrin and I had met in a screenwriting class in Philadelphia. That's when we were both living back in Pennsylvania. And we were writing separately at the time, and I had won the Nickel Fellowship at the end of 2002 for a Korean War epic. So um, I like you know war movies, action movies, just naturally. And the first script I wrote after that was Olympus Has Fallen, um, specifically because I liked the idea of what would be the most impossible building to take over in the world. And I thought, well, it's the White House. There was really even no second choice. It was the White House. And so when I sort of figured out an idea as to how you could actually conceivably almost take it over, then I thought that there was something there. And my agents at the time took it out in the summer of 2003. Tom Cruise's company like was interested in it right away. Uh, they took it to one of the studios. I believe it was Paramount. I can't say for sure. But the bottom line was that no one bought it. And I think in retrospect, the main reason was because 9-11 had happened less than two years before that, and it just wasn't the right climate to make a movie about the White House being taken over. So in the parlance of the day, that script was dead. And in the kind of conventional wisdom of Hollywood, it would always be dead. But Catcher and I didn't believe that. We always thought that the time will come when the climate will be right for a movie like that because we thought the concept was so big and so cool. And so we just kept plugging away at it, rewriting it, and it took 10 years. But 10 years later, in 2012, is when it finally sold. And then we were on the fast track because it, it literally came out 12 months after it sold into the theaters. Oh, wow. but, but even before that, um, we again thought that there was going to be no resurrection of it when um, 
the series 24 also did a White House siege kind of under attack episode. Mm-hmm. And we thought one of their seasons and we thought, oh, no, now it's really dead. And then but we just kept pitching it. So we would go out to meetings and we probably went out on at least, I mean, over 100 meetings over the course of like four or five, six years after we moved out here. And we pitched it to anybody that would listen. And we got a lot of well, first of all, you're going to hear a lot of no's. A lot of no's. And you just become immune to it. You just, you hear no and you go, you don't even hear it. It doesn't register because if you believe in what you're doing and what your project is, you just let if it go. If your inner, <laughs> if your instinct and your inner gut is saying yes, that's the thing you should listen to. Yeah, don't listen to hear, the no's. You're going to hear a lot of no's. Because after Olympus came out and made, you know, $99 million domestically and over 160 worldwide, the next thing when we're going to meetings, everybody wanted the next Olympus has fallen. Yeah, all, all the people of a sudden, said no's. Yeah, right. all the people that said no or this is cheesy 90s or we're like, no, it's not cheesy 90s. It's old school 90s. There's a difference. It's <laughs> yeah. throwback. It's yeah. throwback 90s. It's throwback diehard. Yeah. And so this is for the new generation. This is for the young guys and the young girls that, you know, didn't have their diehard because, you know, they were just born, you know, 20 years ago. I love so, that you have a pitch ready for that argument. So, oh, absolutely. So if you knew, yeah. like, okay, that's what's coming at us, what is our way to come back in a positive way? Yeah, that, absolutely. That was a pitch in and of itself. Absolutely. Do you remember, and this is sort of putting you on the spot, but do you remember what your opening line of the pitch for Olympus Has Fallen was since there were 100 meetings? Did you have sort of a, this is our yeah. way in? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely two-pronged because the, the first thing, of course, is the White House being taken over. Right. You know, the most impossible, like Creighton said, the most impossible building in the world to take over. And, the, and then, then the second prong of it is who this character of Mike Banning is, which oh. is huge. Yeah, we had never and, seen um, a Secret Service agent in his prime kind of kicking ass. I mean, you had in the line of fire, but Clint Eastwood was on the tail end of his career. And you had to live and die in L.A. where the Secret Service was dealing with counterfeiters. But... I hadn't seen a movie where a Secret Service agent at the height of his powers was protecting the president. Because if the diehard template could take a New York City cop and turn that into a franchise, I thought, well, a Secret Service agent protecting the president where you can literally go anywhere in the world, that's an even bigger platform, conceivably. And so I had always thought about that in the beginning of my mind from the very beginning. Now, you never want to get ahead of yourself. First, you have to sell the first script and it has to come out and it has to do well before you can have a second movie or a third or anything else. But in the back of my mind, I did always think that that would be a kind of a cool template upon which to have an action movie franchise. So you have, a, you have your sort of high concept up front, you know, the, the most impossible building to take over, the White House. And then you're pitching out this unique character in the action movie s- series, and then you start putting the story together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, we always hear about set pieces, right? And when it comes to big action movies, um, or say big high concept movies in general, whether they're action or not, we're talking about set pieces being these, these active, interesting, story-worthy, trailer-worthy moments. How do you come up with unique set pieces? Well, you hope, first of all, that the, the set piece is organic to the story, and it's not just action for action's sake. And then most good set pieces... If you really look at them, they play out as mini-movies. They have a beginning, a middle, and end. You keep ratcheting up the tension. You keep raising the stakes. You put your hero in a position where there's no way he's going to get out of this, and then somehow he does. And then you... You can, if you have three or four of those unique enough and different enough in the course of a movie, you know, that that does a lot to sell, sell the film. And also, like Catherine said, like you're looking for those trailer moments. If you're looking for... So in order to make them unique, in order to make them special, do you look at what environment the char- 
characters in, what are the actual sets, for example, that you can incorporate to create a set piece. You go like, oh, well, he's in this tunnel, for example, or you know, an underpass, or what can we do here to make a, a set piece? Is that another way to look at it, or do you have other tricks for... Well, we always think about the story first and the character first, mm-hmm. and then we just try to either try to show something we haven't seen before or put a twist on something that you've seen before, but just not in that way. But we've learned that you have to service the character first and the story second, and then worry about the mechanics of the action. Because if you don't do that, if you don't have a good character first and you don't have a good story, people tell us all the time they read these scripts and there's some good set pieces in it, but there's no soul to the movie. There's no story there. There's no journey for the character. And as a result, it falls a little flat. So concentrate on character absolutely first and then your story and then the mechanics last, even though they're all important. And we're not trying to say that, you know, a movie, an action genre movie like Olympus or London has fallen is, you know, Oscar bait or anything like that. We're not saying that the story has to be so, oh my God, dramatic. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that when even when you're writing an action genre movie, you want to try to attract a star to play the role. And that's very important because otherwise your movie is not going to get made. And so you need to be able to attract talent to your project. And that's very important. So it's about writing something that's going to want to make an actor come and spend the time to play this role and to invest in this character and to sign up for the gig, basically. So Yeah, someone told, us, someone told us once that no matter whether you're writing a horror movie or an action movie or a genre movie of any kind, try to make it like as, as interesting character-wise as you can possibly make it. Because if you just think about, oh, it's just going to be a lot of action set pieces, you're, you're not, no one's going to, at the end of the day, is going to buy it or make it. So no no matter, even if you're doing genre stuff, try to pay as much attention to character and story as you possibly can. Like with Olympus, we had, it was a story of redemption. We had it in the very beginning that the the Secret Service agent has this like Sophie's Choice moment. He has to save the president or the president's wife and he can only save one of them and he does his job, but he's destroyed because of that. His career's in tatters and it's only through the course of the rest of the movie that he redeems himself. That's what uh, Olympus is really about. It's about that hero, you know, getting his redemption, in essence, coming home, coming back to where he wanted to be in the beginning. And so while it looks like it's about the White House getting taken over by like rogue Korean terrorists and all those big set pieces and everything, it's a, if you dig a little deeper, it's, it's a little bit more. And now a lot of times the audience won't even recognize that. They won't even think about that when they see it. But if a movie is successful, there's usually something that they'll feel that is the reason they liked it. Now, now, a lot of people who are listening, uh, one of their big concerns when I'm teaching classes and stuff, it always comes up is, what if I write something and somebody else has something just like it? What do I do? Do I completely scrap the project? Now, on a much bigger level, you guys faced that. So was it six weeks after uh, the, do- the deal was done with Olympus Has Fallen, White House Down came out? So, or it, it didn't sold. come out. It, it sold. sold. It got set it up. Sold. So, yeah. what do you do then? What was the conversation? Well, what well, happens well, next? Well, we have to be honest with you with our situation in that we had to be first mm-hmm. because we were the smaller project. So, in our situation, I'm not saying that you can't have write a spec out there. Maybe someone else has a similar spec because there's lots of rivalry, you know, rivalry in terms of those kind of uh, projects that are very similar that are that are out there in Hollywood. They get made all the time, like like you said. But in our particular situation, when um, when Olympus has fallen sold, and again, 
it, it would have been heartbreaking, we think, if White House Down would have, would have beat Olympus's Fawns simply because Crate had the idea for 10 years. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, he had had this for over 10 years. He had written a, a, an earlier draft. He had, we had both been through Hollywood, hundreds of meetings, you know, trying to pitch it and get it, get it set up. So that would have been devastating. But I think in our situation, we have to be honest and say that had ours not been first, um, had White House Down got out there, you know, Millennium probably would not have bought the movie. So literally by six weeks, we, we got our first movie made. I mean, that, that is literally how close it was. So, and, and it was one of those things where with, with Olympus is Fallen, cause we had originally written that as a tentpole movie, as a big kind of summer blockbuster tentpole movie. And then, you know, you have to kind of get pulled back to reality in terms of what is your budget and, you know, what's the appetite for making this and all that kind of stuff. And we got to the point where, you know, when we met Antoine Fuqua, for example, he knew that White House Down was out there and he knew what we were going to have to do to differentiate our project, um, the least of which was to get it out to theaters first. So that was important in our situation. Yeah, it became, it became a race. And um, so everything, that's partly why everything moved so quickly that for, it went literally in March of 2012, it sold and it came out in the theaters on March 22nd, 2013. So, which is unheard of for the speed of a, a big budget action movie coming out and hitting theaters that quickly. But like Katrin said, it was a race and because we were the smaller project studio wise and budget wise, we had to be first. Well, if it's any comfort to you, my husband and his nephew went to see both and voted on yours. Just saying, <laughs> that's your entire demographic in those two people. That's, yeah. that's tell them thank you. I will. I totally will. I I, I think they're success of the movie. Pretty much, they they it's owed to Pat and Kyle. Don't of course, you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they see everything. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do, they, do they ever invite you to the movies? Yeah. My husband has given up. <laughs> oh, no. he's given up. Although in this case, you know, I was like, we're going to go see London has fallen. Yeah. He's like. What? Well, he was so excited. Yeah. He's so excited. Um, uh, so then, then you're asked to write a sequel. What is it like to write the sequel to your own movie? Because now, not only do you have to, you know, I'm sure you thought about it, but you have to respect a franchise that's been created by your movie. Like, you have other things to think about. What it was, was that like? Amazing and wonderful. Yeah. Without question. Yes. Absolutely wonderful. We, yeah, actually, we were ready. Yeah. We had three ideas. I mean, I think Millennium, the studio told us that they wanted to make the sequel like pretty a, fast, like a week after Olympus came out. And I, it did very well the first weekend. It made like $30 million. And so, and I think it was tracking for like 17. So it way overperformed. And mm. so they were very pleased with how it did. And so like a week later, they said, we're going to make a second one. Do you guys have any ideas? And we said, absolutely. We had three oh, really? ready to go. And we pitched all of them all in different budget ranges because we weren't sure what they wanted to do. And they picked the biggest one, which became London Has Fallen. Oh, that's great. Yay. Did you get to get to London for that one? We actually didn't. We actually finished all of our writing before production started. So we actually finished all of our writing pretty fast, actually. Um, in yeah, it, we, we were. It's a good problem for a writer to have. We were so busy. We were uh, actually in Bulgaria for two months writing The Expendables 3 with Sylvester Stallone. So we were on set. You know, with Indiana Jones and Rocky and the Terminator and Blade and everybody else for two months in Bulgaria, which was pretty pretty incredible experience. Um, and and also, it's a great education because learning to write on set and what's required is a totally different skill set than writing at home, like when you're writing on on assignment or spec. So that was was that, was that the first time you guys got to do that right on set? Yes, for, yes. Yeah. for our yes. huge movie with all yes. those stars. Yeah, Olympus we wrote during pre production, but. 
during Expendables 3, we were there for two months in Bulgaria. So, Was there any time where it was intimidating where you're like, one of these guys could just break us in half if they don't like the line? Well, the guy that's the biggest, who would you say? Dolph Lundgren or no, Terry Crews? Terry Crews is Terry yeah. Crews. physically the biggest. Physically, he's huge. Yeah, yeah. he's just But he's but like a giant. teddy bear, right? Oh, like oh nice my all, gosh. All those guys bear. are incredibly nice. Uh, I mean, so we, nice. with all those stars and egos on set, you think it would be maybe, I don't know, but... No, it was it was a terrific experience. They had so much fun together. They yeah. really have a lot of fun on set, which is really really nice to but, see. Yeah. But my my point, getting back to my point, was that we come back from Bulgaria. We're literally there one day, and the studio called us and said, Are "You guys day. back from Bulgaria?" And we said, "Yeah, we just got in last night." And they said, "Okay, great, because we need the script for London Has Fallen because we have to take it to AF." AFM to, you know, sell the foreign rights. So we immediately got put onto that project and we had, we didn't have a whole lot of time. We had to write it relatively quickly. Uh, But, you know, all the stars signed on to come back. So Gerard Butler, Morgan Freeman, and Angela Bassett, Aaron Eckhart, they all signed on to the project again. So that one was ready to starting to roll. Aaron Eckhart. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait, that gets me off track. So so with Expendables 3, okay, you said you're writing on set, but I would imagine there's an existing script before you start writing on on spec, uh, on set. So how do you honor all these different iconic action guys. It's very challenging. <laughs> do yeah. you sit there, do you actually pull a little bit from what we know about them from other movies um, or just how they've been in The Expendables? Well, you know, it's interesting because the reason why I say it was challenging, it wasn't challenging coming up with great material for all those guys. Mm-hmm. What's challenging is trying to do it in the in the hour and 50 minutes or whatever. I'm not even sure the running time of Expendables 3, but trying to do it in the running time of the movie. That's the challenge because you don't want it to be a three-hour movie. You have all these characters that you want to be able to give their moments to. Right. But you don't have a lot of time. And you want the story to somehow make make sense. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, who cares about the story with Expendables? But it's still important to have a thread all the way through the movie that have it make sense. Um, but I think the, 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 the more challenging thing for us was when you... You, we were writing here in, in L.A. with, with Stallone, um, basically, you know, at his house, at his office, you know, for hours and hours and hours at a time, which was really, really fun. I mean, bucket list, unbelievable uh, experience, wow. to say the least, um, getting to work with him. And then when we went to Bulgaria, we worked with him a little bit more before production actually started. And then when the the movie actually started filming, you know, there's lots of things that you just have to be ready for. And things like, for example, at the time... You know, Terry Crews was uh, working on um, his TV show. And um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It just started. It just kind of started and it was doing well. It was going to get picked up again. And so now all of a sudden they were like, okay, um, you know, we need to make this big change to the script. And oh, and by the way, um, we were going to have him for two weeks. Now we have him for five days. Yeah, the the Uh, filming was going to start on Monday morning and Saturday night. They told us because originally Terry Crews' character was going to be killed. And then Saturday night, they told us the studio changed their mind. Terry Crews has to live (laughs) and you need to rewrite the entire, oh, and he's supposed to be here for like five weeks and he's really only going to be here for one. And so you need to rewrite the, the whole script with those new parameters by Monday morning. Yeah. And it's Saturday night at like 10. So we're like, oh, okay, no problem. So, you know, and at at this point, I think we were at the Black Sea, 
right? We were at the yeah, yeah they, were, they were filming in Varna and in Bulgaria. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. But you just have to be ready for that kind of stuff. And that's I think the bottom line is just whatever gets thrown at you, you just need to be able to deliver. You know, and I think the two of us. First of all, it's great that there's two of us, so that's amazing because we can handle deadlines like that pretty easily because there's two of us. But also because we we do have kind of crazy work ethics to begin with, so it's yeah, really how do, you do this. Pretty you know, everybody out there is going. How do they do this? First of all, you're married, yeah, which is yeah. great, yeah. and you're still and you look great and you're still talking to each other <laughs> and you, you put out all this product. So um, what is your process? Uh, well, actually, let me, let me start yeah. by asking, do you guys have specialties? Is one of you the big yeah. picture person and one of you is the dialogue person yeah. or do you both just split up the script and, and, and take it? Creighton has... Well, first of all, obviously, he's an amazing action writer. And I'm not just saying that because he's my writing partner. I'm saying it because I've read a lot of scripts. And I just feel that he is really one of the best writers of action out there. I honestly believe that. Um, but also, he's he's incredibly just, it comes so easy for him to understand structure, pacing, um, just those those building blocks that make a script. That without that foundation, you just have a disaster on your hands. And he's able to kind of start and build that foundation where it's so strong that you then have a really uh, incredible foundation and a template to add everything else on top of that. So, and do you so, take a first draft then, Creighton, and then you you we go both in kind of work on it together? But we work, I, I, yeah, we work, we work on work everything together. together but from as the we're working on it, he just has that sensibility to that structure. That is just, he just knows instinctively what's going to work, what's not going to work, what's going to cause problems in act three or later on in the script or whatever. But what Katrin really helps is after, like a lot of times I'll I'll do that like a little initial brush and then she'll look at it and automatically find all the things that are wrong with it, figure them out. (laughs) Well, not like that. No, but make them better. And it's it's almost like we've rewritten it on our first draft because, or our, our first pass through it because again, two brains are, are better than one. So we both have our own sensibilities and both have our own way of looking at it. And it helps us to be faster writers too, mm-hmm. because there's two of us. But, but, but one of the things we always do with all of our projects is we write a treatment. You guys are always, big outliners, Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And some people aren't. Some people like to just see where the story takes them. Um, we're not those people. We like to be very um, organized and purposeful and structured when we write. And that's just our our approach. And it works for us because we feel like it's incredibly important to, to, like I said, this foundation, this structure that you can just map out in a, in a treatment. And sometimes the treatment is, you know, five, six, seven pages. Sometimes it's 15 pages. It depends on the project and how much we feel we need to put in there up front. And then once we have that in place, it's so much easier to flesh it out. But what that does for you is that if you're going to run into a problem, in Act Two or second half of Act Two, a lot of people have problems there. Wherever we we would we know we're having that problem before we even get the script, and we can fix it. And that way, when you get the script, the script basically writes itself after that. How do you? What is your outlining process? Do you? Um, you know, everybody has a different way into breaking story. Uh, do you start with the beginning, jump to the end, fill out the middle? Do you work from act breaks? Is there is there a, you know a, a, a way in for you? Well, we sit at opposite ends of the couch, each with our laptop and our puppy in the middle. <laughs> Got it. That's how we start. Yeah. <laughs> and then we literally start. A lot of times we'll want to know the ending first. We want to, how's this going to end? And then we start from the beginning and just structurally map it out. And when that structure is sound, 
it's like you know it. And until that structure is sound, I, I don't feel confident in the project. But as soon as I know that the structure makes sense and is good and has the reversals and the twists and everything to make it a, a quality project, then we feel, okay, we can go forward with this one. We feel confident we can nail it. You, you mentioned you know where people run into problems, and I find this the same teaching classes too, is that second half of Act 2. I call it Act 2B. Okay, So in Act 2B land, <laughs> what are you looking for? Uh, what, what's usually, let's say, the magic potion where you go, oh, yeah, if we add this, we've nailed Act 2B? I mean, for me, it's pacing. Ah. Sometimes people tend to get caught up in certain parts of their story and then it's just death to the movie because it's either stopped in its tracks or it's gone in, into a direction that it shouldn't have gone to or so it, it really affects the pacing of the movie so i'm always looking at it from that pacing angle but i know creighton i don't know if you have something to add no i agree with that i agree with that i mean it's generally the the hardest part of a script i think for most writers is from that midpoint until the end of where you break into three that can be tough for some writers but if you really try to maximize the journey for your character and try to ratchet up the stakes there as much as you can before you go into your final act um that i think for most writers that might require the most amount of brain power and work to get that part of the script to work because like katrin said if you if you do it right and then the movie, well, I mean, one of the nicest things people say about London Has Fallen, they said it's like almost over before you know it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes or one minute sh- shy of that. So it's not a long movie, but when it goes fast to the audience member, that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. When we write scripts and people read them and they say it was a really fast read, that's a compliment. Because that means you're entertaining the person. When it's a slog, when you're checking your watch, when your mind is wandering, you're, you don't have them. You haven't engrossed your, your audience your reader and we always try to do that if possible right if i gain weight during a script it's not good (laughs) i think i'll get another snack yeah Um, now you haven't always done big movies though you Mm -hmm. were talking before before we hit the mic about cali Mm -hmm. which is a smaller movie that got you a lot of attention based on something that actually happened to you a sort Mm -hmm. of an elevated thriller yep um can you can you talk a little bit about that yeah i mean you know it's interesting because the market the industry is constantly changing, as we all know, daily. I mean, I want to say yearly, monthly, but it's practically daily, weekly. And it changes so fast that what's what buyers are looking for one day might be different than what they're looking for next week or the following week, and it's constantly changing. And so when we were trying to break in, we were always trying to watch what was happening in the industry, watch what was being bought. And we had thought originally that... Um, we just wrote what we loved and what we wanted to go see, which we still do. And then we started to think, well, maybe nobody wants to take a chance on a first time writer to make a big budget, hundred million dollar film. So maybe we need to start thinking about, well, what could be in that kind of sweet spot of, you know, 20 to $40 million kind of a film that is not as big of a risk, but could have a big upside if it hits. And so we started to kind of concentrate on more of these sort of, uh, not, not contained thrillers. They're a little bit more open than that. Kelly's a little more open than that, but, um, but just thrillers, mm-hmm. you know, thrillers that were like a little more mid budget, you know, to lower budget. And so, um, and we were also, we're always inspired by things that are happening to us in real life, things that were, that we read about or things that we see. And it was really interesting because we were living in Los Feliz at the time. And, um, I was in a parking lot where I got into a fender bender. I was pulling out and someone had pulled out and hit me in the back of the car and, 
and she was a really sweet girl and you know she was very like you know affable and oh i'm so sorry and oh you know she had a little frappuccino in her hand oh i wasn't looking and really nice and i remember you know calling creighton and saying oh i just got into this fender bender and she's going to give me her information and i really trust her she's really sweet and you know and we ended up you know obviously trusting her and stuff but there was a whole story that kind of happened there with following her to a um uh, a mechanic that she knew that her, her boyfriend knew a body shop yeah body shop and and we ended up following her and it was ended, we ended up kind of going like she had told us it was this town, but it was then it ended up being further. Long story short, we get there. It's in this industrial place. We hadn't been in L.A. that long. We don't even know where we're at. We get behind this. Uh, we, we pull into the little uh, outside this like kind of what was it like? A, not a warehouse, but more it was like a, a real it was a real industrial section of I, I believe it was North Hills. Yeah. And. We pulled into this, this like cinder block alley and this other car comes in and pulls in behind us and the body shop guy comes out and he's talking with her and I believe she was Thai. They were both Thai, so they were talking to each other in Thai. We couldn't understand what they're saying. And then he looked at the car and he said, come on in inside to the office and I'll write you up an estimate. And I looked inside the body shop and it was in shadow and nobody knew that where we were. <laughs> and I, and I just said, you know, at this point we had, we had already gotten one estimate at our place where we had leased our car. We were just doing this to be like kind to her. And we said, you know, the day's really kind of getting away. We're probably just going to go with that first estimate. By this time, like four or five hours had passed. So yeah. we're dry, I mean, we were really trying to be patient and help her. And, but it got to the point where we were like, okay, kind of, you know, and at this point and, at the what ifs in and, your head, the what ifs. Probably going, yeah. crazy. this is all in the same day. This yeah. Is, yeah. This is the downside of being a writer right. like you're always going oh <laughs> well like, oh. the bottom the bottom line was we got our car fixed she paid for the car to be fixed and everything was fine and she was very nice and she was very nice but but i said to catch it on the way home i said what would you have done if i had walked into there and they hit me over the head with a pipe huh. like what would you have done and i was like uh that's the setup of a movie awesome. and so that's yeah. that's this that's the genesis of the idea for cali and it was interesting because I, I can go ahead and say this because we that we had actually kind of that had all happened even before the Taken franchise that came out, and ah. so we were thinking about it from this angle of a, of a sex slave kind of a situation, like a sex industry sex, kind of sex thing. trafficking, sex trafficking. And so we thought, oh, that could be interesting, and that's something we hadn't seen before. And then Taken came out. We're like, wow. Taken came out like six months later, and that was like, okay, we can't do sex trafficking anymore. Yeah. So we it took us a while to come up with another angle, and we finally did. And that <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, that script is the script that got us our agent and manager. Um, Who eventually in, in sold a, Olympus in, Fallen. In 2011, and our manager looked through all our scripts and said, the first one I want to take out is Olympus Has Fallen, mm-hmm. and the rest was history. So if we hadn't have written Callie, we wouldn't have gotten those new reps that took out Olympus first, sold our first script, and then we got our first foot in the door. And also, we've been working on a couple projects uh, over the last couple of years with Europa Corp, Luke Besson's company, yeah. and Callie is the script that they read, they brought us in, and talk about a nice position for a writer to be. And they brought us in. They said, uh, we really love this script. Um, we want you to write something for us. And gave us five ideas and said, do you like any of these? We said, absolutely. We like this one. And so we wrote that script. So, which in the world of like uh, sweepstakes pitching, it's called in Hollywood, where you have to go up against 30 other writers to get a job. To have that happen where you're offered five ideas and you get to pick and choose is pretty nice. Now, does that make you... Does that put the credit in a different category? Um, is it story by them and screenplay by you, or does does it become such an uh, original project after a while that you get 
everything? Are you a writer it, for hire, or, or mm-hmm. does this consider? Like, in in yeah. that case, with EuropaCorp, that was Luke Besson's idea, so we are writing the script with him. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're the. Katrin and myself, Lupusan, are writing the screenplay. So yeah. that's how that situation Your works. Your life is interesting. Oh, goodness. <laughs> My yeah. God. To, to break it down, the stories, a, a yeah. fender bender translated into hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office. <laughs> that's, that's, these, and that's exactly with right. These Olympus that's and exactly right. Movies. Yeah. If I had not gotten into that fender bender in yeah. the coffee bean parking lot yeah. in you know, Los Feliz and had that experience that then got us thinking about, oh my gosh, this is a movie idea. Had us write Callie, had Callie get the attention that it did within Hollywood. And it it was even more than that. It was literally that Callie got the attention of this other producer who happened to be a fan of our, our, our writing and and then even at the time then, because I mean, even then, Creighton, I want to say, because he was the one that then said, oh, guy, give us the introduction to our agent that ultimately then. Right. I mean, so it's just amazing. Yeah. That, that guy that I saw down the street with his car vertical over the railing, <laughs> yeah. he's yeah. probably got a trilogy on his hand. It's, yes. He doesn't even know about it. He doesn't, right. know. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even know right. yet. Or maybe you write it and <laughs> yeah. you have the trilogy That's on right. your hand. That's you know, right. what happened to that guy? Yeah. You know, yeah. what's next? Well, for anybody that's trying to make it as a screenwriter in Hollywood, all, all I can say is you have to work incredibly hard. You have to have a little bit of natural ability, but you have to have a lot of ideas and you have to be able to execute them on the page. And then you need a little bit of luck too. You need a little bit of timing, a little bit of luck. I mean, it took us 10 years from, I thought when I won that nickel fellowship and I knew this Olympus has fallen idea was awesome. I knew it, but it took 10 years. The timing just wasn't right at the time. So uh, it's just, you have to just keep plugging away and just keep working hard and, if if you have the ability to make it, I believe that you will eventually. You know, and, and it's it is the kind of industry that is very much and I've said this before, it's like a, an, an episode of Entourage. You know, when you see Entourage, it's like we're in one episode, it, they experience the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows, all in within like, you know, an hour or whatever, or however long it was. But in essence, that's what it's like. I mean, it's literally like one minute you're like, oh, yay, that's great. And the next minute you're like, oh, crap. And the next minute you're like, whoa, you know, <laughs> next minute, like we have a director. Oh, no, we don't have a director. Oh, yeah, we have the stars attached. Oh, no, stars not attached. Oh, someone's so interested. Oh, no, so-and-so just left the firm and went somewhere else. I mean, like you're literally like just, and so what you've, what we've really learned and and i'm learning this and this has actually been a great little exercise for me who tends to be like a worry word about stuff but what i've learned in this industry is that you just can't you just got to let everything go i mean mm-hmm. you got to let things just go i mean be you, even you, be even keel even I mean, don't get too high don't get too low. low just keep an even keel enjoy the journey enjoy the work uh, i think it was like kubrick who said like the luckiest people in the world are the people that get to make a living from something they do as a hobby mm-hmm. and we would do this as a hobby. I mean, and we're lucky enough to be able to make a living doing it. And so we feel very fortunate every day, very grateful every day. And so we work hard at it because we enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. This, I think this is a wonderful note to end this podcast on. This this was terrific advice. Very Thank inspiring. So Thanks, much. guys. Yes, definitely. Um, I want to remind everybody out there that uh, Catherine and Creighton did meet in a screenwriting class. So if you would like to meet your future soulmate, perhaps you should (laughs) sign up for a class at On The Page. In April, uh, the new first draft class will be starting again. It starts April 9th. It's six weeks. It takes you from idea into outline into pages in six weeks. And it's here at the the Writer's Studio in Los Angeles. Just go to onthepage.tv and sign up for it there. Um, Also, London people, uh, remember, I'll be there for two days. 
days uh, doing an intense rewrite class. Go to the London Screenwriters Festival, and they are the ones sponsoring it. You should see a link to that class as well. They probably cleaned up all the damage from our movie by now. I know. I know. I was worried about it. I have to say, you know, I'm taking my 11-year-old on that particular trip, and uh, and there was some discussion, like, could the girls see London as well? All this stuff. We went back and forth and stuff. And uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm so glad we didn't take Rita. Because she'd be like, oh my god! Yeah, Yeah, it was freaking me out a little bit, too. But then, what I like about it is you see all the... Well, I won't won't give it away. But it's... Anyway... I won't give it away. Um, uh, Ryan, uh, where can people follow you? What are you doing? Um, I have a brand new website for my trivia company. So I host uh, trivia at bars and events and, and uh, fundraisers and things. And uh, triviawithbuds.com. You can check that out. It looks real nice. Happy with it. B-U-D-D-S is my last name. And then um, I'm on a new show. We were talking about our friend Matt Harris earlier. Yeah. He's my boss on a new show called Crash Leets on Nickelodeon. It's hosted by Rob Gronkowski uh, from the New England Patriots. And it's a sports clip show for the whole family coming out on Nick Toon's network this summer. So, That's so awesome. Yeah, excited to work on that. What Ryan, do I, don't know if, I don't know if you know, Matt Harris won Nickel Fellowship the same year that I did in 2002. Is that right? Yep, oh, I know Matt good. really well. Really oh, good guy. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the best. From Joliet, Illinois. And uh, Southside myself. And Matt is the coolest. We're doing a shout out to Matt. There you go. Matt, <laughs> hey, Matt. start listening to the On the Page podcast, will ya? There's all this love coming your way. Um, what about, well, I know I know what you would like to tell everybody, which is go see London Has Fallen right now. In, Absolutely. In theaters. Um, is there anything else you want them to keep a lookout for? Or is, is that what they should be going for right now? Right now, London, uh, we have a couple of projects that are in various stages of pre-production, so we don't know what our next movie in the theaters will be yet, yet but we, uh, we love all, there's like three or four, four projects right now in particular that are looking promising, so we hope they'll all hit the, th- the theaters eventually. Will you come back on the podcast and Absolutely. talk about those? Sure. Oh, we'd love to come back. Yay. Absolutely. And uh, do, you guys, do you guys tweet, or would you like to be left alone? <laughs> We're on we're, Twitter. Yeah. We're, we're on Twitter. Yeah. And Facebook. So. What, what's what's yeah. your Twitter handle Twitter so everybody handle. can? Do we even know our phone? I'm I'm at Creighton Writer. Okay. And I think I'm at Catra Benedict. Okay. Yeah, name, All right. So. Excellent. Thanks again for being here. Really, really appreciate it, you guys. Thank you, Pilar. Have a great rest of your day. Nice thanks, Ryan. You. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, good guys. to meet you. And thanks everybody for listening. And have a good writing week. 